This Tornado Loves You, a Motozushi fan fiction, written by Etymology Playground, and read by God of Laundry Baskets. Summary You worry me, Awanji tells him seriously. He puts his hand on Wewushin's knees, for lack of a better place to put them. Wewushin places his own hands on top of Lamaji's, presumably to stop him from trying again to check his bandages. You don't need to worry, Wewushin says. I swear I'm fine. I'll tell you if something feels off. You know me. I'm a huge crybaby whiner. Awaji frowns at him again. It's true that Wewushun can be a bit of a crybaby, but only about injuries that don't actually matter. When it's something important, like a ghost curse, or a fundamentally unstable necromatic practice, Wewushun keeps it to himself. Ridiculous, Awaji tells him. Wewushun grins down at him. In the Jingshu, after Koi Tower. that the events at Koi Tower were almost unspeakably stressful for Lamaji. There is at least one upside. His brother knows. His brother knows. And he lets Lamaji take Wei Wushun back to the cloud recesses anyways. He lets the two of them retreat to the Jingshu for days, while the hole in Wei Wushun's chest heals. And he doesn't even make Lamaji talk about it, for which Lamaji is immensely grateful. He isn't sure how to explain himself at the best of times, talking about Wewushin, while the man himself is in the next room, wounded and unconscious, would be unbearable. But Lan Shichun is kinder than Lamaji is, so he just gives him a look and lets the whole thing slide for now. For three days, Wei Wushun sleeps fitfully in Lama Ji's bed, and Lama Ji hovers beside him, trying not to lose his mind with worry. He sleeps lightly at night, ready to respond to any change in Wei Wushun's condition, and then he has to meditate during the day because he isn't sleeping enough, because he's stupid and in love and terrified.
and the only person with whom he could possibly speak about it with is unconscious in his bedroom. Ma Shichun comes to visit every day to check in on them, and Ma Ji struggles to meet his eyes each time, convinced that if they were to make eye contact, his brother would instantly know the whole messy story, would realize just how compromised Ma Ji is here. That's what scares Ma Ji. But if the cultivation world really realized how he felt, his defense of Wei Wushun would be dismissed as just the objections of a love-struck fool. In reality, of course, Ji is love-struck. But he's also objectively right, and loving Wei Wushun has never prevented him from seeing the situation clearly. When at last... Wei Wushun wakes up and is able to sit up without tears coming to his eyes. Nama Ji feels a dagger untwist between his shoulder blades. He isn't certain how to express his deep relief to Wei Wushun, so he doesn't. But when La Shichun visits that afternoon, he takes one look at Nama Ji's face as he enters a Jingshu and says, Oh, so he's awake. So... Perhaps he really is as obvious as he feels. Yes, Ma Ji says. May I speak with the two of you? Ma Chun asks. Ma Ji nods, feeling cautious. I'm not throwing you out, he adds. I just want to have a longer conversation about everything that's happened. But for now, I just want to set some ground rules. All right. Ji says, but he hesitates still. His brother sighs. Ji, he says, losing some of his sect leader posture. I know how you feel about him, Ji tells him. He doesn't think Wushin is listening in, but he'd rather be careful anyway. Yes, and I know how you feel about him. Ma Chun says in a voice just above a whisper. Which is why I'm not throwing him out. Ma Ji, you're my brother, and I trust you. But I won't let him destroy you again. He didn't, Ma Ji says, stung. He won't. I hope for all our sakes that you're right, Ma Chun says quietly. Then he straightens and turns back into Zewujin. Please let Wei Gongzu know of my presence. Hmm, Nawaji says, and goes to tell Wei Wushun. He briefly considers warning him that La Shichun has spent the last thirteen years resenting him, but decides that, one, La Shichun almost certainly will not let on that this is the case, two, even if he does, they're all adults and they can deal with it. Three, if he says that Lan Chun resents Wei Wushun, and Wei Wushun will ask why, and Lan Ji could not possibly explain that to him in the thirty seconds they have to discuss. So he doesn't say anything about it, just, my brother would like to speak with us both. And Wei Wushun straightens and says, okay. Ji assumes they'll just talk in the bedchamber of the Jingshu, but Wei Wushun brushes him off. I'm fine, 
he insists. I feel great. I can walk 15 feet to sit in the chair, Lanjan. Hmm. Nawaji says. Zewujun doesn't want to talk in here anyway, Weiwushun points out, swinging his legs over the side of the bed. It's your bedroom. It'd be weird to have, like, a real conversation with him in here. Hmm, Nawaji says. Weiwushun plants his feet on the floor, tries to push himself off the bed, and sits back down with a wince. Oh, wow, he says breathlessly. That sucked, actually. Help me up? Nawaji helps, the two of them clutching each other's arms. Weiwushun sways a little once upright and he bumps his forehead against Lanwaji's shoulder just once, as if in frustration, but he stays standing. Lanwaji can see his jaw tensing. He wants to kiss him, just there, right below the ear. Instead, he lets go of Weiwushun's biceps and takes a step back, letting his right hand fall to Weiwushun's back to steady him. Okay, Weiwushun breathes. We're good. Okay. Zewujin. It's just Zewujin. God, it's just your brother, who's friendlier than you anyway. Hmm. Nawaji says noncommittally. He's more normal than you, Weiwushin tells him. That's why I'm nervous. Nawaji raises an eyebrow at him. Normal people are unpredictable. Weiwushin explains under his breath as they make their way across the threshold. Always taking other people's opinions into account. You and me are freaks, but we're steady. Nawaji stares at him, unsure how to respond to that. Principles. Weiwushin mumbles, and then he salutes Lashi Chun, who, from the look on his face, almost certainly heard that last bit. Zewujin, thank you for everything. Weigongzu, Lan Shichin greets him. Your thanks are appreciated. You look better than I last saw you. Weiwushin kind of grins. Yeah, I'm glad not to be bleeding out anymore, he agrees. I'm sorry to be rude, but can we sit for this? Yes, Lan Shichin says quickly. Of course, he sits. Lanwaji grasps Weiwushin's hand as he lowers himself onto the daybed, waving off Lanshichun's apology with his free hand. Lanwaji sits beside him. It's fine, just stab wound, you know. Heavens, I wish I had my body back. Back in my day, you could have sliced my belly open, and I would have shoved my intestines back in and kept going. Lanwaji can't help himself. Stop. Saying those words, he demands, pained. Oh, Lanjian, you do care, Wei Wuxin coos. Yes, Lanwaji says, feeling flustered. Wei Wuxin raises his eyebrows a little in surprise. Lanshi Chun clears his throat. Lanwaji looks at him, trying not to look embarrassed. Sorry. Weiwushin says. You wanted to speak with us? Yes, Ma Shichun says. 
I want to make sure you understand the situation. At this moment, to my knowledge, the only people outside this room who know you're here are several trusted servants. No one else knows. It's best that this situation remains secret for now. For other people to know of your presence here would be to put both you and them in danger. nod. hates that they have to keep secret, but he knows it's the safest choice by far. When you are more fully recovered, Gongzu will talk more about what happened and what happens next. Chun begins. Words could not describe how much Lan Waji does not want to have those conversations. But, for now, please do not leave the Jingshi. Keep your voices down. Don't burn candles after dark. Don't light a fire. You'll continue to have meals brought to you, and I'll continue to check in once a day. If you need anything, please ask. Hmm, Ji says, and then, as it occurs to him, Will you bring another blanket, now that Wei Ying is awake? He isn't sure how to end that sentence. Now that Wei Ying is awake, Ji doesn't have to lie anxiously next to him all night, and can instead lie anxiously on the daybed in the antechamber. Now that Wei Ying is awake, there's no excuse for Lan Ji to share a bed with him. Yes, of course, Lan Chun says mercifully. I'll have them brought along with your evening meal tonight. Thank you, Lan Ji says. Wei Wuxun makes a little noise beside him, a kind of short exhale through his nose. Lan Ji isn't sure what that means so he doesn't address it. But he does glance at Wei Wuxun, who's deliberately looking away. That's all I had to say, Lan Xichun says, standing up. Lan Wanji and Wei Wuxun stand up as well and salute him, and Lan Xichun turns to leave. But then he turns back and adds, Except one more thing. Brother, I know this is complicated. I still have to form my opinions. I struggled not to let anger and fear overwhelm me, but I'm honored that you trust me. Surprised, Lama Ji finally meets his gaze, after having stared somewhere to the left of his left ear this whole time. His brother looks tired and sad and proud. I... Yes, thank you for being worthy of my trust, he says feeling awkward. Wei Wuxun slips his hand into Lama Ji's and squeezes his fingers once in support, before letting his hand drop again. Lan Chun smiles kindly at him, then claps his hands once. Well, thank you for listening to me. Wei Gongzi, little brother, I'll see myself out. I'll see you again tomorrow. Lama Ji blinks. Yes, he agrees belatedly. Goodbye, Zai Wu Jun, Wei Wu Xin says to Lan Shi Chun's back. He receives a friendly wave in return, and then Lan Shi Chun is gone, and they're alone in the Jingshu once more. Lan Waji looks at Wei Wu Xin, who looks back at him. Siblings are wild, huh? 
he says wryly. Hmm. No, Ji agrees. Although, wild isn't exactly a word that could apply to either himself or his brother. Well, time for me to sit the fuck back down. Wei Wuxin decides, and he collapses back into the daybed. Uh, Mama Ji starts. He doesn't want to hover, so he kneels in front of Wei Wuxin and gestures at his torso, a wordless request to check his bandages. I'm fine, Wei Wuxin insists, batting his hands away. Mama Ji frowns at him. Wei Wuxin sticks his tongue out at him in return. I'm serious. I'm just tired because I haven't stood up in three days. You worry me, Mamaji tells him seriously. He puts his hand on Wei Wuxin's knees for lack of a better place to put them. Wei Wuxin places his own hands on top of Mamaji's, presumably to stop him from trying again to check his bandages. You don't need to worry, Wei Wuxin says. I swear I'm fine. I'll tell you if something feels off. You know me. I'm a huge crybaby whiner. Mamaji frowns at him again. It's true that Wei Wuxin can be a bit of a crybaby, but only about injuries that don't actually matter. When it's something important, like a ghost curse or a fundamentally unstable necromatic practice, Wei Wuxin keeps it to himself. Ridiculous, Mamaji tells him. Wei Wuxin grins down at him. Lanwanji is well adapted to being quarantined to the Jingxu. He isn't someone who tends to experience boredom. In any way, he has his books and his calligraphy set, and more than those, he has Wei Wuxian in whose presence he could never get bored. Unfortunately, the same is not true of Wei Wuxian. Wei Wuxian gets bored easily and doesn't have much patience for sitting quietly, and while Lan Wanji could play Go with him for hours, Wei Wuxian would rather not. By three in the afternoon, Wei Wuxian is clearly going stir-crazy. He says after beating Lan Wanji a third time for a total of three wins each and seven ties. Laja, I am dying. Mamaji sweeps the stones off the board and begins sorting them out again, white from black. Don't joke like that, he says. Wei Wuxian smirks at him. Why not? I feel like if anyone has earned the right to joke about dying, I have. He's right, of course. I don't like it, Lanwanji says, and then he immediately feels embarrassed at having said something so childish. He wants to say, I hated it. You died, and I hated it, and I missed you. It was your fault. It was mine. Don't joke about it. But he doesn't know how, so he doesn't. Just grits his teeth once and doesn't elaborate at all. Okay, Wei Wuxian says, a little surprised. Sure, fine. Lan Wanji looks at him, 
unsure how sincere he's being. It's just, I thought you were going to say it was against the rules or something. You know, like, don't joke about self-slaughter or whatever. Wei Wuxian says an explanation. Oh, actually, there probably is a rule like that. It's been a while since Lin Waji has bothered to brush up on the rules. He says, hmm, non-committally, and hopes to leave it at that. Wei Wuxian puts his elbows on the table and leans forward to peer at Lin Waji. Lan Jean, he says. Wei Ying. Lan Jean. Wei Ying. Lan Jean. Can I help you? I'm just saying your name, Wei Wuxian admits. And then you say my name, which is good. No one fucking calls me by my name anymore. Anwaji lets himself reach out and tug on Wei Wuxian's bangs. Wei Ying, whose fault is that? Wei Wuxian slaps his hands on the table. Mo Xuan Yu, that's who. Eh, it's all his fault that everyone calls me Senior Mo just recently. Hmm, Anwaji says suppressing the urge to roll his eyes, or smile, or kiss him. He tries to think of something to say. Wei Ying, do you know his birth name? Wei Wuxian thinks, and he frowns a little. No, he says. I don't. And everyone who would have known it is either dead or literally Jing Gong Yao. They grimace at each other. That is so fucking sad. Wei Wuxian mumbles after a moment. Oh, fuck that guy. Now we really have to kick his ass. Lan Ji snorts in agreement and pours the white stones into Wei Wuxian's bowl. Wei Wuxian watches him do so with a single raised brow. Manwaji places his black stone in the far right corner of the board. Wei Wuxian shakes his head but doesn't say anything. They play for a couple moves, and then Wei Wuxian says abruptly, Do you pity me? Manwaji looks up at him, but Wei Wuxian is looking determinedly down at the board. No, Manwaji says after a moment. To prove himself, he corners one of Wei Wuxian's pieces and takes it. Damn, Wei Wuxian says under his breath. He stares down at the board. Then, I'm waiting for you to elaborate on that. Hmm, Ji says. Wei Wuxian puts a stone down. I think you don't deserve most of what's happened to you. It's not pity. Ouch, Wei Wuxian says. Really? Ji looks up at him. He actually looks a little hurt. You think you deserve to get torn apart by ghouls? Ji asks him, baffled. Oh, Wei Wuxian says, his forehead smoothing. Oh, that's what you meant. I mean, I sort of 
do think that, but I thought you were talking about, like, young young men adopting me or whatever. You were a child, Mawaji says, instead of addressing the fact that Wu Xian apparently thinks he deserved to die horribly. There's no deserving or not deserving. That was his responsibility. You don't earn a safe childhood. Wei Wu Xian stares at him. Ji quirks his eyebrows, unsure what the staring is for. I hadn't thought about it like that, Wei Wu Xian says. Ji hums, feeling uncomfortable, and places another stone on the board. Wei Wu Xian reaches out and grabs his hand before he can pull away. Laja, let's play music together, he suggests. If I have to finish this game, I swear I'll eat the stones. Mawaji tries very hard not to smile. Mark your words, he says, and Wei Wu Xian laughs in delight. No music. We have to be quiet. I can play quietly, Wei Wu Xian whispers. I'll be the quietest flute player you've ever heard. You'll swear it was just the wind in the eaves. Ji shakes his head, but Wei Wuxian has won. He can tell. He pushes his fingers between Ji's, lacing them briefly. Then he pulls away and starts picking up the stones off the board. Ji joins him after a split second of letting himself want to press his hand to his mouth. What do you want to play? I suppose nothing to communicate with spirits if we're really trying to be subtle. Do you even know secular songs, Jean? Wei Wu Xian asks. Ji knows precisely one secular song, and it's a song he wrote for Wei Wu Xian because he's in love with him. I can follow along, he says, instead of saying that. Hmm, Wei Wuxian agrees. He pulls his shitty little bamboo flute out and plays a couple of preparatory notes as Ji takes his gu qin out and lays it across his lap. Is that quiet enough, you think? Wei Wuxian checks. Ji listens as he plays again and nods. Wei Wuxian starts playing a simple melody, and true to his word, he plays more quietly than Ji thought possible on a flute. For his part, Ji puts the trailing cloth from one of his sleeves across the strings of his gu jin, muting the resonance in a way that's almost painful to him, how improper it sounds. But as he plays... Figuring out Wei Wuxian's melody and harmonizing with it, he hates the different sound less and less. It's new and strange, but not bad. The quiet music fills the room, sinking like soot into the ceiling, the walls, the floor. Ji becomes aware of the space inside of the Jingxi in a way that he isn't usually. The shape of the architecture, the relationship between pieces of furniture. If he closes his eyes and listens closely to the flute, he can hear the quality of Wei Wuxian's breathing, 
the way the music comes from his lungs and his mouth and hands. He can hear the subtle sound of his own fingers on the strings of the gu chin, the almost imperceptible impact outside of the note. He wonders if Wei Wu Xian is listening too. Almost as soon as he has that thought, he recognizes a measure in Wei Wu Xian's melody. It disappears into more that he doesn't recognize. Then again, two more measures of his song, intersped with a melody he doesn't know. Wei Wu Xian weaves his song in more and more until it's the entire melody they're playing. Lan Wang Ji opens his eyes and meets Wei Wu Xian's gaze, overwhelmed by something he doesn't even know how to name. Surely Wei Wu Xian knows, right? Even if he can't see it in Lan Wang Ji's face, he speaks the language of music. Surely he must hear the adoration, frustration, longing, desire written into the song. They play the last notes and let the room fall into silence. Lan Ji doesn't look away. He has no idea what to say. Wei Wu Xian has such an expression on his face, intense, unreadable. Lan Ji wants this to mean more than he knows how to ask. Wei Wu Xian looks away first. He clears his throat. Thank you, he says, for playing music with me. You're welcome, Lan Ji says helplessly. Wei Wu Xian fiddles with his flute a little and then looks up abruptly. Oh, you know what I just realized? He starts. Lan Ji thinks, Ridiculously, I love you, but Wei Wu Xian continues. I haven't washed my hair in an unspeakable amount of time. I'm going to go do that. The bath is past your bedroom, right? Okay, great. Okay, Lan Wanji echoes. Wei Wu Xian stands up, pushing himself out of his chair with both hands. He takes a second to gain his balance, but shoes Lan Ji away when he stands and makes a move to steady him. I'm fine, he says. You don't have to worry about me. Of course I have to worry about you, Lan Ji tells him, trying not to hover as Wei Wu Xian makes his way towards the bedroom. Look, can I just... Wei Wu Xian turns to him and shockingly grabs Lan Ji by the front of his robes. Lan Ji hasn't figured out how to react yet when Wei Wu Xian pulls him in and embraces him, face tucked confidently into Lan Ji's throat. Oh, Lan Ji says. I'm fine, Wei Wu Xian tells him firmly. He emphasizes his point by squeezing Lan Ji's chest, Lan Wanji exhales sharply in amusement. Lan Jean, I promise I'm not going to fall over and die. Yes, I'm injured. I've been hurt worse before. 
Stop worrying. Lanwaji carefully settles his arms around Wei Wu Xian's waist. He puts his right hand between Wei Wu Xian's shoulder blades. You've been hurt worse before, he agrees. You didn't survive it. Oh, Wei Wu Xian says quietly, deflating a little. I mean, yeah. Hmm. Nawaji says. He feels like he's made his point. They stand there, holding each other, breathing in and out together. Nawaji pulls away at last, giving Wei Wu Xian's ponytail a tug. Go wash your hair, he says quietly. Oh! Wei Wu Xian says. Right, sorry. He adds, letting his arms fall to his sides again. I know you don't like touching. Lanwaji bumps the heel of his palm against Wei Wu Xian's forehead. Ridiculous, he says. Right, Wei Wu Xian says, and leaves. Lanwaji sits down by himself on the daybed and covers his face with his hands. When Wei Wu Xian emerges half an hour later, Lan Wanji is sitting on the floor, meditating. He doesn't even notice Wei Wu Xian until he's standing in front of Lan Wanji, hair dripping onto the floor. He crouches down and hands Lan Wanji his own comb. Hi, he says. Would you comb my hair? Gift horses. Lanwaji takes the comb and nods up at him and doesn't ask. Wei Wu Xian smiles at him. They end up with Wei Wu Xian sitting on the floor in front of Lanwaji, who sits in the chair so the angle is best. Wei Wu Xian has come out wearing only his white under robes, but his wet hair, combined with the lack of fire in the hearth, had Lan Wanji stripping his bed of blankets and wrapping them around Wei Wu Xian's shoulders. They'll get wet, Wei Wu Xian had protested. Lan Wanji doesn't really care. He'll take the damp blankets for the night. His brother is bringing more anyway, and Wei Wu Xian can use those. He pulls Wei Wu Xian's hair out from under the blankets and starts running his fingers through it to get any big tangles. His hair is wet and silky soft and warm, but cooling quickly, and he smells like the soap Lan Wanji has used his entire life. Lan Wanji is absolutely non-verbal as he draws his fingers through Wei Wu Xian's hair. He couldn't possibly form a coherent sentence right now. When all his hair is sufficiently detangled, Lanwaji takes the comb out and gets to work. This is easier. The repetitive motion of the comb is grounding, and his hands are farther from Wei Wu Xian's neck. Penny for your thoughts? Wei Wu Xian offers, and Lan Waji is almost halfway up the first section of hair. Hmm. Lan Waji had not really been thinking about anything. 
You're lucky, he decides. Moshwin Yu's hair is very similar to how yours was. Hmm, Wei Wu Xian says. You know, it hadn't occurred to me, but you're right. Same waves, Lanwaji says. Yeah, and pretty close to the same color. Yours was darker, almost black. Lanwaji finishes combing through the first section of hair. He gives it a tug and moves on to the next. Right, <laughs> you really paid attention, huh? Wait, Lucien teases. Lanwaji just says, yes. Because he did pay attention back then. He pays attention now. Who's more handsome, huh? Wei Wu Xian asks him cheerfully. Was I handsomer back then than I am now? Lan Waji pauses. He's fairly certain he knows what Wei Wu Xian wants his answer to be, but answering either way seems cruel somehow. He settles on. The way you look is nice. Wei Wu Xian clocks that for a total non-answer, obviously. No, come on, he wheedles. He turns to bat his eyes goofily at Lan Waji, placing his forearm across Lan Waji's knees for balance. Who's more beautiful, Wei Wu Xian or... Mo Xuan Yu. That's an easier answer. Wei Ying, of course. Lan Waji tells him. The truth is that Lan Waji would think Wei Wu Xian was beautiful regardless of the face he wore. For him, it's less about what the body looks like than what Wei Wu Xian does with it. Wei Wu Xian widens his eyes a little in surprise, then grins up at him. It'll be so easy to kiss him. I like it when you play along with me, Wei Wu Xian tells him, turning back away. I'm surprised every time. Hmm, Lan Wanji says. He manages to comb the rest of Wei Wu Xian's hair without incident. Wei Wu Xian hands him his hair ribbon expectantly. But in fact, Lan Waji has never worn his own hair in a ponytail, and therefore does not know how to achieve that on someone else. Wei Wu Xian laughs at him when he admits this. It's easy, he insists. You're such an aristocrat, Lan Zhang. Even Zhang Zheng wore a ponytail every once in a while. Lan Waji doesn't really know what to say to that other than, I am not Jean Wanin. So he just says, Hmm. Wei Wu Xian snorts again and ties his own hair up. Someday, Lan Jean, he warns him, I will put your hair in a ponytail. It'll change your life. It's the perfect hairstyle. It's cute. And practical. Hmm. Mamaji says again, more skeptical this time, to cover his immense fluster at the idea of Wei Wuxian doing anything with his hair. 
Wait, Wu Xian just laughs. Her evening meal arrives, just as the sun starts to slip over the horizon. Brought by the same person who brought breakfast and lunch, a young serving woman whose name is Ayan, Amaji takes the tray from her and thanks her, and she bows politely and slips back out of the Jingshu. He brings the tray over to Wei Wuxian, who's been catnapping under his pile of blankets on the daybed. He presses his hand to Wei Wuxian's exposed ankle to wake him. Wei Ying. Wei Wuxian peers at him from under his arm. Yeah, Laja, he mumbles. Mama Ji lifts the bowl into his field of vision. Food, he says. We should eat while it's warm. Wei Wuxian perks up. Is it good? Am I going to like it? Those are two different answers, Ji tells him. Wei Wuxian heaves himself upright and sighs in disappointment at the perfectly reasonably spiced meal. This place is a prison, he tells Ji sadly, but he takes the bowl from him and starts shoveling the food into his mouth. Ji rolls his eyes at him. I'm serious! Wei Wuxian insists, in between inhaling noodles. If I ever stay here long term again, I'm planting my own pepper garden and none of you can stop me. Ji is, of course, immediately obsessed with the idea of Wei Wuxian staying in the cloud recesses long enough to cultivate a garden. I'd have a raised planter so your bunnies couldn't get them. I could put it right out there. Wei Wuxian continues, pointing past the wall of the Jingxu. There is just enough sunlight there. I could go wake up and pick a pepper every morning for my kongji. Lama Ji stifles a smile, feeling his chest warm. Wei Ying... You live in the Jingxu, still? Oh, well, yeah, Wei Wuxian says. Where else would I live? The junior's quarters? I don't think so. Lama Ji doesn't really have an answer to that. Hmm. Anyway, I'll live in the Jingxu, and I'll have a pepper garden, and everyone in the cloud recesses will shower affection and gratitude upon me. Wei Wuxian finishes. Hmm, Ji says. He has to admit, this is a vision of the future that appeals to him immensely. He wants to ask, where am I in this fantasy? But he isn't certain he wants to watch Wuxian figure out whatever the answer to that is. He looks at Wuxian, cool and dark, in the bluing light of twilight, and imagines, just for a moment, what it would be like if he got to keep this forever. Wuxian, safe and relaxed, in clean white robes, comfortable 
in the Jingxu, a life in which Wei Wuxun touches his hands like it's easy, in which Lan Ji looks him in the eyes and tells him he's beautiful like it's easy. The sun's going down, Wei Wuxun says oblivious. Hmm, Lan Ji says. Your brother said no candles, right? What are we supposed to do in the dark for two hours until you go to sleep? Awaji has an idea or two. He finishes his soup so he has time to come up with literally anything else to say. I should change your bandages while they're still light, he says when he's done. Wu Shen pouts. That's no fun he complains. I mean, you're right, and you should, but it's no fun. Hmm, I'm aware. Lan Ji says it's no fun for him either. Wei Wuxin sets his bowl down on the tray. Well, whenever you're ready, I guess, he says. Ugh, I wish I could drink right now. Ji raises an eyebrow at him. It's against the rules, and you're injured, he reminds him. Wu Shen rolls his eyes. I know. That's why I'm wishing instead of doing, he says. Hmm. Ji says. He sets his bowl down and stands up to go wash his hands. He reaches out to give Wei Wuxin's hair a tug on his way past, but Wei Wuxin intercepts his hand and squeezes it in his fingers instead. Lan Ji lets himself smile as he washes his hands. When he comes back with a roll of fresh cotton, Wei Wuxin has extracted himself from his mound of blankets and shrugged out of the top of his robes. Lan Wanji kneels in front of him for the second time that day and begins unwrapping the old bandages. Wei Wuxin hisses very quietly as he reaches the part over the injury, and dried blood makes the bandage stick to his healing wound. Sorry, Lan Wanji murmurs. You're fine, Wei Wuxin says. It just hurts. I know, Lan Waji says. He makes his hands as gentle as he can. I guess I'm lucky, Wei Wuxin jokes weakly. Jin Ling missed all my vitals. <laughs> he didn't miss, Lan Waji says absently. Eh? Was it that much worse earlier? Wei Wuxin asks, misunderstanding. No, he wasn't aiming for your vitals, Lan Ji corrects him. Oh, Wei Wuxian says. He's silent a moment, and then he says, Oh, again, quieter. Then, Lan Zhang, you're really smart. Did you know that? Hmm. Lan Ji says, for lack of anything better to say. He starts cleaning the wound, and Wei Wuxian hisses again. 
Sorry, he repeats. It's not your fault, Wei Wu Xian tells him. So don't apologize. Wang Wang Ji shakes his head, but obeys. He can feel Wei Wu Xian's gentle breath against his face. It doesn't look bad, he says. You're healing fast. Oh, good, Wei Wu Xian says. He touches Wang Wang Ji's hair and teases. It's because I've had such a dedicated nurse, yeah? Hmm. You're blushing, he points out. Hmm. Lan Ji begins wrapping the clean bandages around Wei Wu Xin's waist. He has to reach all the way around his body to do so, which is an excellent excuse not to make eye contact with Wei Wu Xin. Hey, Lan Zhang. Lan Zhang. Hmm, I'm listening. What? Did your brother mean when he said he has to try to not let anger and fear overwhelm him? I didn't think he was angry with Jin Gongyao yet. Lan Wanji hesitates for a moment and finishes with the bandages. He ties the end off and sits back on his feet. He isn't, he says. Why is he angry? What's he scared of? Wei Wu Xian puts his arms back through his sleeves and starts adjusting his collar. He's doing it wrong. He has to adjust the belt first. Lan Ji leans back up to help him. You, he says as he tucks fabric into place. He's angry with you, scared of what you might do. What? I'm not the Yiling patriarch anymore, Wei Wuxian protests. Not in any meaningful way, I mean. And anyway, I thought he liked me. He did. Ji agrees. Then everything happened. Oh, Wei Wuxian says, deflating. After a moment, he says, You know... I still don't remember some of it. I don't actually remember the end at all. Isn't that stupid? Hmm. That one, she says. The end was awful. If you don't remember it, good. You were there? Wei Wuxian asks. Not at the very end, Lan admits. But... Just before. Oh, Wei Wuxian says. Then, were you trying to stop me? Lan Wanji finally stops fiddling with Wei Wuxian's lapels and smooths his hand over his chest. He leaves his right hand over Wei Wuxian's heart, feels it beating. No, he says honestly. I was trying to protect you, Wei Ying. Wei Wuxian covers Lan Wanji's hands with his own and makes a sound in his throat. Lan Wanji 
looks at him and realizes to both their horror that Wei Wuxian's eyes are filling with tears. Oh, fuck. Wei Wuxian swears, quiet and empathetic. Fuck. I'm sorry. I just... You're so... He tries to wipe his hands on his shoulder. Mama Ji untangles his hands and reaches up to brush the tears away. Wei Wuxian makes another choked-off sound and grasps his wrists, but lets him do it. I'm sorry, he says again. It's not your fault, Mama Ji tells him, an echo of earlier. So don't apologize. Ma Jean, can I... Wei Wuxian starts, and Lama Ji hugs him. Wei Wuxian puts his arms around his neck and shoulders and hugs him back hard, pushes his tear-wet face into Lama Ji's throat like he did before. Lama Ji half pulls, half guides Wei Wuxian's collapse off the daybed into his lap. Wei Wuxian shudders a sob into his shoulder and clings tighter. Mama Ji lifts him a little to adjust the position of their legs, and then they settle into each other. Mama Ji has never touched someone like this before. He doesn't really know what Wei Wuxian might want from him, so he improvises. He does what he's always secretly wanted someone to do for him. He holds Wei Wuxian close and tells him, It's okay to be sad. This seems to be the right thing to say, or at least not a wrong thing. Wei Wuxian heaves a shaky sigh and goes boneless in his arms. Lan Ji reaches up with one hand and carefully unties Wei Wuxian's ponytail letting his hair cascade down his back. He draws his fingers through Wei Wuxian's hair, from the crown of his head, all the way down his back, and then again, and feels his breathing evening out. More people should have tried harder to protect you, he says quietly. I should have tried harder. Wei Wuxian shakes his head. It was my fault, he says, his voice thick. You had to protect me from me. Ji shrugs and keeps petting Wei Wuxian's hair. That doesn't change anything. Wei Wuxian sighs wetly and pushes his flat hands into Ji's back. You're so good, he says. How are you so good? Mama Ji isn't so sure he is good. And anyway, he doesn't really know how to answer that, so he doesn't. He presses his mouth against Wei Wuxin's forehead instead, realizing almost belatedly that it's a kiss. He feels Wei Wuxin sigh again silently into the dip of his collarbone. Do that again, Wei Wuxian whispers. Manzhan feels his whole face heat up. Wei Wuxian pulls away and sits up. 
He frees one hand and wipes his face with a sleeve, and then he makes eye contact as he repeats himself. Do it again. And he's not slumped over. They're just about a height with each other. Wei Wu Shen is on his lap. Mamon Ji pulls his right hand through Wei Wu Shen's hair to cradle his jaw, aware that the mood has shifted dramatically. He leans forward and kisses Wei Wu Shen's forehead again. Wei Wu Shen's hands drift up to rest at the back of his head, fingers lacing together over his hair. Now my turn he says slowly, when Lan Wanji finally leans back away. He tilts Lan Wanji's head down a little to reach. Lan Wanji stops breathing as he feels Wei Wu Xin kiss his forehead ribbon. Wei Ying, he says, feeling strangled. I know what I'm doing. Wei Wu Shen murmurs against skin and silk. I know what this means. Is this okay? Ah, oh, Ji can't speak. He tries to hum, and it comes out sounding halfway to a moan. He knows what it means. Wei Wu Shen giggles breathlessly into his hair. Is that a yes, Lan Wei-ying, he manages. I... Someone knocks on the door of the Jingxi. They look at each other, eyes wide in the dark. Wei-wu-shin presses one last hasty kiss to his forehead and slides himself off of his lap, stumbling back to sit on the daybed. Mama Ji pushes himself off the floor and goes to answer the door, feeling like his whole body is vibrating. He cracks open the door and sees a stack of blankets with legs. Hello, he asks, disoriented. Ayan peeks out from behind the blankets. Good evening, Hong Kong Jun, she says. I'm sorry to bother you. Sewujun said to bring these to you. Oh, Amanji says, opening the door wider. Right, I'll take them. Thank you. He takes the blankets from Aya, who bows. Have a good evening, she says. There's a split second where he thinks, how does she know? But then he remembers that's... That's fucking absurd, and she's being polite. Thank you, he says again, and she leaves. As he closes the door, Wei Wu Xin calls. Who was it? Ah, ya, with your blankets, Ma Ji tells him. He gestures with the blankets and goes to put them on the bed. I kind of assumed I would be sleeping out here. Wei Wuxian admits from the daybed. What? No, you're injured. I'll sleep on the daybed. Awaji tells him, coming out again. Wei Wuxian's form on the daybed is reduced to a blur of pale and black in the blue dark. I don't want to throw you out, 
Wei Wuxin protests, twisting to face him as he approaches. It's your... Wait. He stops and shakes his head. No, this is stupid. I want to sleep with you. In your bed, we both win. Oh, jeez. Brain gives up the fucking ghost. Oh, he says. Is that okay? You want to, right? I got the impression that you might want to. Wei Wuxin says anxiously. Awaji looks at him. He cannot fucking believe he was seriously about to go sleep on the daybed while Wei Wuxin was in his bed. He nods. Okay, Wei Wuxin says, bobbing his head up and down. Okay, cool, great, awesome. Hey, hey, do you want to go make out with me until we go to sleep? Wawaji walks over to stand in front of Wei Wuxin, who looks up at him, hopefully. He holds out his hands, which Wei Wuxin takes, and together they push-pull him to standing. Wei Wuxin immediately slings his arms around Wawaji's waist and tilts his head flirtatiously. Is that a yes, Wajin? He asks again. Awaji cups his sweet face in his hands and kisses him, long and slow. Wei Wuxin hums into the kiss, tilting his head for a better angle. He's so warm. His lips are, well, they're his. Awaji loves them. They stand there, holding each other, kissing almost silently in the dark for a long moment. When at last, Wei Wuxin breaks the kiss, he half gasps against Lan Ji's mouth. I forgot to breathe. And Lan Ji is so startled and endeared that he can't help but laugh breathlessly. <sighs> Wei Wuxin whispers. You, you, you were laughing. Amaji hides his face in Wei Wuxin's hair. You saw nothing, he mumbles into his ear, grinning, his heart beating wildly inside his chest. The expression feels strange on his face. You're so fucking cute, Wei Wuxin tells him and presses a kiss to his throat. Awaji exhales carefully and slides his hands through Wei Wuxin's hair. Hmm. Hey, Lanja? Wei Wuxin asks, sliding his hands slowly up Lanwaji's back. I have a confession to make. Hmm. But... Wasn't our first kiss, Wei Wuxin admits. Ji blinks. Wei Wuxin continues. When I got you drunk that time, after Yi City, I kissed you. Just once. Or, well, just once on the mouth. I don't... I mean, 
I do know why I did it, but I shouldn't have kissed you while you were drunk. It wasn't fair to you, and I'm sorry. Mamoji, of course, has absolutely no recollection of this. He wishes he did. Once on the mouth? Does that mean Wei Wuxian kissed him other places? He takes a moment to contemplate the possibilities there, until he realizes that, of course, Wei Wuxian is waiting for him to respond. Hmm, he says. You're forgiven. Wei Wuxian huffs in amusement, and his shoulders drop a little, as if they had risen in nervousness. Amoji kisses the shell of his ear, and he shivers a laugh. I also have a confession. Huh? What's that? Yi City wasn't our first kiss either, Amoji tells him. Wei Wuxian does a full-bodied huh? Back before everything. That day on the mountain, when you were blindfolded, you were in a tree. Wei Wuxian is still for a moment, and then he pulls away and hoots. That was you? Mamoji nods at him. La Jean! That's so fucking ballsy! Well, I never! Hmm... You wanted me even back then? At the height of my insufferability! Hey, Ying, Mama Ji feels the need to say. You have always been insufferable, and yet, I have always suffered you. You thought I was annoying! You were so mad I threw you a flower! I had a crush on you, Mama Ji tells him. I thought you were teasing me. I was teasing you, Wei Wuxian, whisper wails despairingly. I had a crush on you. I kept the flower, Mamaji admits. Wei Wuxian stares at him and then thunks their foreheads together. Stupid, he says. We are so fucking stupid. Hmm, can't argue with that. Jean. Hmm? Take me to bed. Mamoji does. Four. What? Another kiss. Five. Oh. Six. Seven. Mamoji, quit counting. You get all of them, dummy. Oh, do that again. Mamoji stops counting after that. Mamoji wakes up at five. Wei Wuxin is still asleep, face tucked into his throat and arms wrapped around his chest. Mamoji would actually literally rather die than untangle himself from him. So he sleeps in for the first time in thirteen years, lulled into a comfortable half-sleep by the warmth of Wei Wuxin's body and the steady rhythm of his breathing. He wants to memorize this, the way the soft morning light turns the whole room gold, 
the way their bodies fit together, the steadying weight of the blankets, the smell of young grass growing outside the Jingshu and Wu Shun's hair, still smelling faintly of Lanwaji's sandalwood soap, the way the inside of his lips feel sore, bitten, and sucked almost raw, the most satisfying bruise he's ever had. He's busy quietly cataloging these details in his mind, which is why he doesn't realize there's someone in the Jingshu until a silhouette approaches his bedroom door. He moves without thinking, summoning Bichun in its scabbard on the wall and jostling Wu Shin awake after all with his movement. Several things happen almost simultaneously. Bichun hits his outstretched hand hilt first and begins to unsheathe itself, flashing morning light across the room. The intruder slides open the door. Wu Shin wakes up and realizes in an instant what's happening. Lan Shichun sees him and says, Oh, there you- Wu Shin wraps his bare hand around the blade of Bichun. Lan does not accidentally kill his brother. The three of them freeze for a long moment. Lanja, Wei Wuxian says at last. He releases his hold on Bichun. Sheath your sword. Anwaji obeys him mechanically. Wei Wuxian's hand is bleeding. I'm sorry, he says, shaken. Wei Ying, I'm sorry. He takes Wei Wuxian's hand in his and pushes spiritual energy into the wound, a series of four deep, clean cuts across his fingers. I'm fine, Wei Wuxian says, but he lets Lan Ji do it anyway. It's your brother whose head you almost took off. Good morning, Zhe Wuxian. Good morning, Wei Wuxian. Lan Xichun says finally. Good morning to you, too, Anji. Anji sits up fully so he can bow deeply in apology. Brother, he says, please forgive me. I didn't realize it was you. Anji Chen leans against the doorframe. I should hope not, he says wryly. You'll have to forgive me, too. I should have knocked. Wei Wu Shun stifles a hysterical giggle. It occurs to Lan Ji, belatedly, the many, many ways in which the both of them are currently unfit to be in the presence of the sect leader, or, for that matter, just his brother. He sits up and allows himself a deep sigh because otherwise he'll disintegrate into the floor. Wei Wu Shun pats his back sympathetically. He reaches over blindly to his bedside table and grabs his forehead ribbon, which he ties carefully, as if a forehead ribbon could make up for the fact that his hair is otherwise completely disheveled. Well, it's a start. Hmm, his brother says. Hmm, Wei Wuxin says. Ajahn, Lan Xichun starts. No, no. Wei Wuxin interrupts. I want to see how long it stays like that. 
Lanshi Chin rolls his eyes, but in a good-natured way. Lanwaji isn't sure what they're talking about. Maybe his hair is messier than he thought, or something. So he ignores it. Zewu Jun, can we help you? He asks. Lanshi Chin shakes his head. Ahyan was concerned that no one was there to receive breakfast this morning, and I was concerned that it appeared Wei Wuxun had disappeared. I see my worries are unfounded, he says, his eyes dancing in amusement. Oh, that makes sense. Nanwa Ji would have been worried, too. I apologize for the confusion, he says. He absolutely refuses to acknowledge the reason for the situation. You're forgiven, Ashi Chun says easily. I apologize for waking you. I'll let you wake up fully now. Hmm. Ashi Chun turns to leave, but then he turns back around and says, One more thing. Evolution. Evolution points out himself, like me. You've experienced the consequences of your actions firsthand. I expect you know that there absolutely cannot be a repeat of what happened in the past. But your actions had consequences for the people around you, too, Ashi Chun tells him, expression grave. I know. Wei Wuxin replies, equally serious, but clearly a little lost. Good, Ashi Chin tells him. Then you should know that if you hurt my brother again, it won't be your fierce corpses ripping you apart. It'll be me. Lanwa Ji blinks. Don't threaten my partner, he says. No, it's fine. Wei Wuxin says, tilting his head into Lan Ji's shoulder. He and Lan Chun are still looking at each other. I'll hold you to that, Zei Wuxin. Lan Chun nods once, and Wei Wuxin nods back. Then, Lan Chun leaves, closing the door behind him. Moments later, the door to the Jingshu opens and shuts as well. Lan Ji doesn't know what to say. Wei Wuxin hooks his chin over Lan Ji's shoulder and threads his arms around his waist. So, I'm your cultivation partner, huh? He asks. Oh, he did say that, didn't he? Do you want to be? Lan Ji asks, looking down at him. Yeah, I think I could get behind that. Wei Wuxin says, grinning. What about you? Do you want to be my boyfriend? Lan Ji thinks about it. No, he decides. Wei Wuxin wilts. What? Really? I mean, okay, I guess, but... I want to be your husband, Lan Ji tells him. Wei Wuxin gapes at him. Lan Ji kisses his forehead. Lan he says. Hmm. Lan are you serious? Yes. Yes, Wei Wuxin says hurriedly. Yes, you can be my husband. Holy fuck. Lan Ji 
turns in his arms and pulls him back down onto the bed. Wushin braces himself on his arms, elbows framing Glamoji's head. His looser hair falls in a curtain around his face. Glamoji is in love with him. I'll ruin you, Wushin says suddenly. If you marry me, the cultivation world will never forgive you. Glamoji brushes a thumb along Wushin's cheekbone. If you could ruin me, I would already be ruined, he tells Wei Wushin, who makes a noise of disagreement. You don't remember. I stood with you at the burial mounds. I held your hand and kept them from killing you. If they're surprised after all these years, that's on them. He realizes, as he says it, that it's true. Those who were ready to take his defense of Wei Wuxin seriously would take him seriously, whether they thought he was in love with him or not. Those who were ready to kill Wei Wuxin wouldn't care either. For once in their lives, they have nothing to lose. Wei Wuxin is staring at him. What? I'm just, like... Super fucking in love with you, Wei Wuxin says. Ji smiles at him, soft and sincere. I'm in love with you, too. Marry me, Wei Wuxin says. Yes, Ji says and kisses him. Yes, my love, yes. Author's notes, because I thought this was uh, relevant, because I totally missed this. Um, the author notes were like, I fucking forgot to put in the dialogue, but the punchline with Amaji's ribbon is that he grabbed Wei Wuxin's by mistake. Um, so, just in case uh, that didn't uh, come quite across uh, when he was scrambling to get a forehead ribbon. It's very fucking cute, and I love it, and... Uh, I'll probably also leave in the bloopers of me just giggling maniacally and just unable to stop as they realize they're in love with each other because it's the, every time it's the best and cutest thing and I love this fic. Ah, okay. Um, also, uh, thank you to Expositionist who really helped me with the Chinese pronunciation in this fic and listen to me wail a little bit of uh this is the first time I've ever done anything in a Chinese fandom um and so never really dealt with any this is my first time kind of diving into Mandarin or anything like that so any mistakes are mine um but uh it would not sound half as good um without her and Plingo Cat's help um who base who babied me through my first pronunciations and Definitely. Thank you guys both for some good ideas too for how to get it more consistent. So I really enjoyed recording this and I think I, by the end of it, felt a little more comfortable and everything. So um, yeah, I hope you enjoyed. Thank you for listening. Um, you can probably expect quite a few more of these from me since uh, I'm doing some for ITPE, the informal Twitter podfic exchange. 
And there's a handful of us pod pickers who are starting to get into this fandom. So, yeah, I really like it. They're so fucking cute. Ah! 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 Okay, actually ending. Thank you. Bye. Signing off. I was teasing you. <laughs> Sorry, that's not a whale. <laughs> I'm too amused. I love this. Oh, God. <laughs> I love the... The smile works very well for Lama G, but uh, maybe a little bit less the smile and the voice for Wei Wuxian, who I think is also pretty amused here, but also, like, incredulous and maybe not laughing as much as I am. Okay. Uh, okay, deep breath. Uh, and let's sip.